Welcome back, Holligans. Thank you once again for joining us on this newest of our editions of Movie Howl. I am Joe, joined as always by my fearless and maybe tender-cheeked co-host, Ryan. <laughs> so, this time we're reviewing, uh, this, is, this is another pick of mine, it's Whiplash, uh, starring J.K. Simmons, the immortal, immeasurable, insurmountable J.K. Simmons, and uh, Miles Teller. So this has been around since 2014, and I remember wanting to see it for a long time because I mean I like J.K. Simmons. Everybody likes J.K. Simmons, and not just from the Allstate commercials. Yeah, I had to tell Kim was like, "Who's who?" And I was like, "You remember the Allstate commercials? The guy like we know a thing or two." Because and she's like, "Oh yeah, that guy, the bald guy." Yeah, yeah, the bald guy. I was like, or J. Jonah Jameson from every universe, right? He Uh, is J. Jonah Jameson for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So. Um, I know we had done some more lighthearted picks here recently. Uh, I'd say with the possible exception of Warrior. But I wanted something that had been on my list for a while that was definitely more serious. It's one of the most serious movies I think we've ever done. Um, and it, in my mind, I know most people associate a motivational movie with sports movies. Like you've got Rocky and uh, Remember the Titans and so many like Gene Hackman's had several movies that have, you know, been part of that uh, whole genre. And a lot of times people think of it as, a, as some sort of sport thing. This had nothing to do with sports. And it was maybe one of the most motivational movies I've ever seen. And I really enjoyed that about this. Now, this movie um, is really intense. And I... From the very outset, the very first scene really sets the tone for what this movie is going to be. You have Miles Teller as a freshman in college uh, at uh, the Schaefer Conservatory of Music, which I didn't look it up. I don't know if that's a real school. It probably is. But um, it's he, he claims in the movie that it's the most profound music school in the country. Like if you are studying music, if you can go here, if you can get into this school, it is the school you want to be at. And it just shows him down a hallway, at the end of a hallway, playing the drums. Um, His character's name is Andrew, and Fletcher, the teacher, uh, professor, as you will, J.K. Simmons' character, just walks up, and he, like, stops drumming, and it they have this interaction, this back and forth, and just really... Mm, set up this movie well. Mm. So I'd already seen it. So this was at least a second. I think it was only the second time that I've seen it. I watched it just the once. I might have watched it again, but it has been number of years since I have seen it. We're talking an eight-year-old movie at this point. What did What did you think of it? Your general first-off impression there, Ryan? How did How did you feel about this movie? Uh, it was very stressful, and it was the only thing I texted you while I was watching it. I think other than some just like general back and forth stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, the I'm most stressful movie I've ever seen is, is your direct quote. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I had a really stressful day and I come home and I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch a movie. Like I will stop thinking about stuff and just do this. This was the wrong movie. This is the wrong movie for that, bro. Yeah. This, this was not, I mean, I thought it was going to be something like what it wound up being when I saw the way, uh, the kid acts 
what's his name? Andrew. Oh, I uh, don't even know what his last name is in the IMDb, IMDb bio. It just says Andrew. Yeah. When sure Andrew's got a last name, I don't know. Yeah. When he's drumming, he JK Simmons calls him that uh, Fletcher or whatever his name is. He calls him that. Like he, whatever his last name is, but he's, he's drumming. Like you said, and as soon as he walks in, like the, the like respect, but also fear that he shows, it's like, okay, we're, we're in for something, but I didn't think it was going to be quite what it was. And to go from like a stressful day where it's just unpredictable to this was like really jarring for me. And I don't really know what to compare it to. It's, I don't feel like I've seen any other movies like this. I've seen movies where people are like abusive or, you know, like extremely demanding or exacting, but like not quite with this unpredictability where everybody is like is in awe of this person still. It's almost super villain level. Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, like just like Monty Burns. I expect him to trap door them out of the room when they're not playing the, uh, the drums right or whatever. Yeah, I think that's I think that's actually a very interesting comparison. Uh because you have a character that Denzel played in Remember the Titans, and he was hard on them boys. Like he pushed them. And he pushed them with the goal of getting them to understand this is how you get better. And not just I'm getting a little bit better, but pushing yourself beyond what you thought you could do to really have some gains you didn't know you could make. Yeah. And that's what this was him, him pushing uh, the members of the studio band. And that's what, that's what their little band was the studio band for the Schaefer conservatory of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would go out, they would do competitions and he was, Ooh, he demanding doesn't even really begin to cover what he was. Yeah. Asshole covers what he was pretty much. I mean, that like scratches the surface of really what he was. I mean, he just put up with nothing, expected everything. It is probably my favorite role I've ever seen J.K. Simmons in. Because there's a there's a range in this. It's not just that all the time. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. a few other things that pop in there, but it's it's so well done. I, I think Everybody, this is one of those movies. Everybody needs to see this movie. It's it. It'd be hard for me not to put it in my. If we make the list, one hundred movies that you have to watch before you die. This is in that list, without question. I don't know where it would be on that list. It's on that list. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It was kind of a, a rough one to get through, but the range, like you said, the J.K. Simmons shows. There are points where he's like being friendly and you know very likable and charming and points where he's very emotional, you know, in, in various directions, like sad, happy, whatever. Um, it was cool to see him doing something like that. Not just the J Jonah Jameson thing or not Mm -hmm. just the, uh, cave Johnson stuff from, (laughs) from portal. But yeah, it's one of those things where eventually you start to get what's going on. And that there's this kind of like self-destructive, like we're heading towards a wall feeling. And then you come to understand what's really happening, like what he's really trying to do Mm -hmm. and whether it's good or not. What do you think is the approach that he has, which is basically kind of like a crucible to put them through? Is that the right way to go? Yes, I think it is. 
I think for certain things, when you're talking high-level skills of something, when you're a person, and Andrew, his character in this, he, he wanted to be known as one of the greats. Mm-hmm. One of the people who get talked about many years after his passing. That's what he's willing to, he's willing to give up everything. He, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a romance in this, meets a girl, you know. Yes, kind of Melissa Benoist, I think. I think that's how you say it. She plays Supergirl. Oh, really? When I first okay. saw her, I was like, is that Supergirl from the, like, originally it was a CBS standalone show, and then it was part of the Arrowverse. I was like, is that Supergirl? And I, yeah, it absolutely was. When you see her, like, dead on, it's like, man, he got okay. Supergirl. I that I, kid that that's the most improbable part of the whole movie for me. <laughs> that kid got Supergirl. The fact that he's Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, but he he there's a scene in this and Halligan's uh, we were just going to start spoiling some stuff. It's an eight year old movie. Our suggestion right now is that you go out and watch it. This is a hundred percent a watch from both Ryan and I. Mm-hmm. This, I presume Ryan and I. I don't want to throw words in your mouth, but I'm going to do that anyways. Yeah, or no, I, I, I agree. It. I agree. Um, but there's a scene where you know. He kind of dates her a little bit and they're going out and he realizes once he realizes what Fletcher's asking of him and what he has to do to dedicate to this thing he's trying to accomplish, this goal he has in his life. He sits her down and he, he there's this breakup scene and he goes about it very pragmatically and logically. And she's like, well, you're just an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a part of that that. I mean, she's not wrong. Like, it, he wasn't wrong either. The things that he talked about, like, I'm going to keep wanting to do this, and I'm going to be spending, even when we're spending time together, I'm going to be thinking about drumming and my charts and the things that are in my music and all this stuff, and I'm not going to be giving you the attention that you deserve, and you're going to resent me for that, and you're going to want me to spend less time doing it to spend more time with you, and I'm going to resent you for that, and eventually it's going to get really bad. I mean, you hear all of that, and it does make sense, mm-hmm. but... You know, you you can be that person, and if you have the right per, if you you don't have to forgo love for that. Mm-hmm. But the person, it's kind of like in a uh, Monster Squad, the parents, the mother and the father. He's a detective, and so he can get called away at any time. You've married a detective, you've married a police officer. So part of accepting that is being behind it, one hundred percent supporting your partner in that. And that's, that's a big ask. That's mm-hmm. a, that, I mean, not saying that's not something that can be done, but you have to be a very special person to be able to do that. Kind of like being say a hospice nurse. Anybody can be yeah. a nurse if they, if they have that calling, but to go from that to specifically a sort of hospice care, you have to be a very special kind of person to be able to do something like that. So yeah. it's not saying it's, impossible for it to happen but i i thought what he laid out in that particular scene it just made sense you hear him say that and you're like well yeah that might actually be what happens but the problem with that is you're not giving her the opportunity to make that decision herself yeah and it might sound extreme like the level of practice and commitment you put into it but our mutual friend is a musician and talks about that or has talked about that with us before that you you know if you're really interested in it you do it every single day every morning every day like you want to be just proficient in it really like you always want to be honing that craft yeah that's that's how people get good at things 
by doing it on a daily basis, day in and day mm-hmm. out. That's how that works. So this movie, there's so much. It's not even a long movie. It's really not. No, it's uh, so like a hundred minutes. Yeah, there's like so much packed into this movie. Um, I I really liked the some of the cinematography of this. I really enjoyed how I felt some of the scenes. There was this this color overlay on certain ones of them. They weren't ever just a few. A few of the scenes were, but most of them I didn't feel like they were. How I want to say it, just like how we see everyday real life, like natural or true to life or something. Yeah. yeah. That there were these little color overlays and it was more of a, you know, kind of a green tint or a sorry, an orange tint or different things that they did. And I just liked it. I just liked the way some of this went down. Um, one of the things I noticed in this, and he's in this school, it's a very, com- before he's even in this special band, it's a very competitive thing being in this school. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about it, but just based on what you're seeing in the movie, you can tell that. And I think that was an important thing. I like that. Well, we've talked about that when movies show, don't tell. And I thought this movie did a very good job of that with a lot of stuff. Show, not tell. Yeah. A lot of things that happened. I think the point where you really see how, like, you know, it's competitive, but they like, there's a scene where they're all sitting around the dinner table and it's clear that his family doesn't really understand what he's doing or why. Uh huh. They're just like, Oh, you know, you're, you got a record for, passing distances or something or whatever yeah, it is. One of his like cousins, sports related stuff or something and then it's like oh and you with your drumming and he's like no no like i'm a core member of the most prestigious band in the most prestigious music school in the country or in the world or whatever in the country yeah and it's like that's more important than your like third division yeah football team you're, you're in division three it's not even division two like he that that dinner table scene was great. Yeah, there were so many individual scenes in this that were so good. Um, the first one I really want to talk about is the first time he's in the big boy band. Mm-hmm. And they're like, first of all, Fletcher has him get there at 6 a.m. And he freaks out because he thinks he's late and he gets there and nobody's there. Nobody's even getting there for another three hours. So he's just sitting there in this room waiting. From 6 a.m. ish, maybe a little bit after, till 9 o'clock when everybody else gets there. And the clock, it's showing the clock. As soon as the second hand hits 9, like it, boom, that's when Fletcher walks in. And that whole scene was, oh, you want to talk about stressful. Ooh, so much so with that scene and how they interacted. Um, Part of that scene is... It's there's there's a slapping moment between J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller, and they did it. Uh, uh, some of the you know trivia stuff I've looked up, they did it in several takes. But Simon and Teller, they didn't feel like any of the ones they'd done that were like minimal, like not real kind of that that wasn't cutting it. So the last one is a genuine, real like he's popping them. And that's the one that made it into the final take and just it just helped really elevate and add even more stress to that scene because it's is you're watching it as the audience member watching this. Your stress level is rising as his Andrew's stress level is rising, realizing what he got himself into before he's he even gets started. Fletcher calls him outside in the hall and is like, hey, you know, you 
you got here on your own and you know you did this all right man go have fun and he has this nice little you know nice little chat with him and just absolutely he's utterly unprepared for what's about to happen yeah and part of that is fletcher using all the stuff that they just talked about against him yes like every little bit of his life like oh your dad's pathetic your mom left you like oh i mean i i don't know i like we've talked about you and i grew up in a different time like a time where you don't let somebody talk to you like that you know what i mean yeah i would have gotten to the point that he got to where he just attacks him like way sooner it would have been like day one i would have been like oh yeah come a little closer wham (laughs) just like (laughs) bring your nose just a little closer to me but yeah that was it was like all i could think because i'm in this like super stressed mode and i'm watching this thing i'm like just hit him just hit him. hit him, kid. I mean, it's <laughs> it's easy to say, but when you're in that position, he's he's intimidating. I like, got yeah, he was. I mean, even the way he dressed, he was always in like all black. He was in like a blazer and a fedora, but it was like a this black T-shirt that like showed. I mean, J.K. Simmons is like kind of jacked. Yeah, he's not at least in this movie. Shape. No, like. Like he's showing his biceps and stuff all the time. Like he looks like he works out. He looks like he's ready to hurl chairs at your head and stuff like he does. <laughs> yeah, that that there's a as part of that scene, he he starts everybody playing and then he stops it and said, all right, somebody somebody here's out of tune. And there's a whole thing about that. And he gets in this guy's face and he's he's just right up in his business and he's he's giving him all the garbage and he ends up kicking that guy out. He tells it he wasn't even the one who was out of tune, but he didn't know it. Like, and that was before he even interacts with uh, Andrew in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Andrew maybe should have had his eyes opened a little bit before he even steps up to the plate, as it were. You know, sits down at the drums to to do his thing. And oh, everything about this is just it's and just it, hard it, and brutal. It's still, and, and it's complex. Yes. Because it's not clear that it's like, this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. It's like, this is a, if him being a great drummer is Batman, this whole interaction is his parents getting shot to death in an alley. Like, this is the sort of tragedy he has to go through. And like I said, a crucible that he has to go through to, to come out the other side, because there's the story that he tells him that, you know, such and such musician was only you know, became what he was because he screwed up. Right. And this other guy launched a symbol at his head and he came back the next year and performed the best like drum solo anybody's ever heard or whatever, or whatever the story was, something uh-huh. like that. And, but it's like a constant thing. Like it's this constant barrage of, you know, just insults, degradation, just, it's just constant. And then you see this kid pushing himself so hard, like literally to the breaking point, to the point that he gets hit by a truck uh, and comes to the concert. And for whatever reason, Fletcher allows him to at least start playing. He's like messed up. He's like clearly concussed. He's like, oh, God. He's right. like barely yeah. got his eyes open. His like hands probably broken. He can't hold the sticks. Oh, my God. That was something that really bugged me. Him leaving the sticks in the car rental place. This is when they're going to some auditorium to perform. Yes. After he is just, there's a scene before this where him, the core drummer that he took the place of. Yeah. And then, and then 
the guy who he was behind in the other music class who he was in, who Connelly. he was learning that kid's pages. But yeah. Fletcher only brought him in to motivate Andrew. It's the only reason he was there. And those three have just had... So that particular practice session started at 9 o'clock at night. They didn't start practicing with the entire band until almost 2 in the morning mm-hmm. for college kids. Like the other... All the rest of the band just went and screwed off for a while because these three were getting mercilessly just put upon by Fletcher Mm -hmm. to get something he wanted right, absolutely right. And Andrew's character, he earned it. He earned the spot. And then you're right. There's this whole thing where he's he tells him, you have to be here at this time. Give yourself so much time ahead of time. And he's on a bus bus gets a flat tire and it's a series of unfortunate events he he gets to a car rental place they're not quite closed yet he finally gets a car and i think it's just a matter of it of it just so much was going on Mm -hmm. he thought he had everything and he just didn't i guess i just feel like everybody who i mean every time i leave either home or my office or whatever i always like i always pat myself down like phone, wallet, like whatever I've got, keys. Like don't lock myself out of the office. Don't lock myself out of the car, out of out of the house, whatever. Like, and somebody who's a musician, I feel like, I mean, I guess it's the one thing where it's like, it sticks. It's not. Yeah, if Fletcher would have let him, he could have just used somebody else's sticks. But yeah. he wouldn't let him. But I mean, and it's also like the one thing that's actually small enough to forget, unless you're like the harmonica player and it like falls then, out of your shirt pocket or something. Yeah. I mean, and to your point, I mean, yeah, you do that now. Did you do that when you were 18, a freshman in college? Were it probably that- took doing something like that, like locking myself out to do it. Right. You And you do that when you're younger. And he was young and he was already stressed and he was on the phone with them. I'm going to be there. And just all these things. <sighs> Just every every moment of this movie is more and more and more stress that gets piled on, and it's ridiculous. The dad in this, we didn't even talk about him, played by Paul Reiser. Yeah, Will and Grace. Oh, no, not Will and Grace. No, uh, Mad About you. you. Yeah, Mad yes. About You. Um, him and right time Hel- period. <laughs> Helen Hunt? Wrong show. Was his wife in yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah Helen yeah. Hunt. Okay. So, yeah, and his dad plays a decent dad. Um, I thought he did an okay job just trying to, like, I believed it. I believed he was the dad. He cared about this kid, but he was also still a little up until the very end, till that very final scene. I think he didn't really understand what his son was doing. He didn't really get what it was all about. There was a, a point early on in the movie where uh, Andrew talks about meeting Fletcher. That very first scene where he's you're opening up, and this is what you see. He's practicing. Fletcher comes, and there's this interaction, and he's talking to his dad about it, and he's like, "I don't know if he liked me that much." He's like, "Oh well, you know." There's other things like just making sure he knows that, you know, you don't have to do this without understanding the drive that his son has for this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who apparently they, they showed some things later on. He, uh, towards later parts of the movie, Andrew pops on a little video disc of some old home movies of him being a very young kid. Looked like five, six, seven, maybe playing the drums and, you know, kind of getting into it. And so he's been, you know, it's just showing you he's been doing this for a long time. And you already know that his level of drive by everything you've already watched in the movie up to that point, how driven that this young man is to be the best, like mm-hmm. the absolute best at 
this thing that he can do. So just, uh, it was, there was so much thing on top of thing on top of thing that was just so much stress. I, I then, one of the parts that got me was when he asks Supergirl out. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, please leave. And what it like goes through this thing and it's like, oh my God, I can feel like I feel it. Like anybody who asked somebody out in person and had that happen knows that feeling of like your heart dropping into your gooch when <laughs> you get re- when you get a response like that's like, oh God, it's just this like feeling of being mortified. Oh my God. She's like, so oh my good. God, no, I'm so sorry. Is it, um, you know, and then she's like, so where would we go? And he's like, pizza. And she's like, I like pizza. <laughs> and they go through like the whole like this super awkward courtship yeah that was a little the, the scene of them being on the date was a little awkward but i like that i like that it was that mm-hmm. this person you've never met and you're gonna try and do this thing and it ended up being okay uh, yeah it's was, this cool thing of him gaining the confidence to do it because you see yeah. him look at her in an earlier scene where he's going to this movie to meet his dad and he's just like looking back at her and it's like you just know that he wants to, but he can't. Yeah. You can tell that immediately. And so, you know, foreshadowing him doing this. And it wasn't even a big part of the movie. Like, not really. Mm-mm. Like, they're together for a little bit. And then he's has this scene where he breaks up with her. And she's all pissed at him. And later on, after... Okay, so before I get to that, there's some things that happen in this. And it's after his car accident and getting kicked out of the band. And his dad apparently gets a hold of somebody and they're trying to uh, get, I guess it ultimately get Fletcher fired because they don't think the way he's doing things is correct. And when I say they, I mean his father and this, I guess it's an, an attorney. Like I thought it was somebody related to the school, but I don't think it is. I think it's some sort of attorney that his dad has hired so that they can well, go after I, Fletcher. Yeah, I don't think it's an attorney. It was something it was what I think it was. I don't remember. God, I, I should have gone back and watched this scene again, but there's the scene where he puts in that CD and he's listening to this music and he's like crying in the front of the class. And he's like, you know, I just wanted you guys to know Fletcher Fletcher's doing that. Yeah. That, that this was a beautiful artist or beautiful player or whatever he says, talking about this kid that he had. And he's like, you know, I found him in this practice room. He was doing this, whatever. I put him through all this stuff. And then he, he became like, a third chair or whatever for Lincoln center. And then he was first chair within a year. Yeah. And he just died in a car accident. And then I think that's the kid that at the scene you're talking about, they're revealing that he actually killed himself. And they're, I think they're saying the way Fletcher motivated them contributed to that. That's what I think. I don't know for sure. I wasn't sure about that either. I was curious. Was it the same kid or was it not? I kind of think that it wasn't. I, yeah, you're maybe talking it about some other kid, but it would make more sense for the movie if it was that same kid. But I mean, there it could be said that the way he taught and how he did things was inappropriate. The way he talked to people, the students, the way he talked to these kids, and like he's slapping Andrew, like literally smacking him. Are you rushing or are you dragging? Mm-hmm. And just this whole thing they were going through, and so that would make sense. But this whole time that. The three of them, that the dad, the school lady or lawyer, whoever it is, and, and Andrew were having this conversation. You know, Andrew doesn't want to do it. You can tell that he doesn't agree with them, that he thinks that what Fletcher is doing 
it, if like he understands it, he understands what that he's pushed him to be better, but he just kind of goes along with it. And so there's a scene that happens later on where he's he's not in the school anymore, and he's just kind of living his own. Uh, Andrew, he's not in school anymore. He's living his own life, and he's walking at nighttime, and he sees this little jazz bar, and there's a guest of Terrence mm-hmm. Fletcher, special guest star. And so he goes and sits down and you're listening to him play piano and they end up having a little sit down and this conversation and the conversation between Andrew and Fletcher in that scene, a lot is explained in that conversation between those two. And it's one of, it's just, it's like the scenes in those sports movies that I referenced earlier, where the coach here, he's having the last motivational speech, you know, before the team goes out in the second half and like has a comeback victory. It's there's so many of those, but those are all like rah, rah, rah. This was not that. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most motivational speeches I've ever heard. This little, and it wasn't a really a speech or a monologue. It was a conversation that they had that Fletcher really did kind of dominate the conversation, but it was so good. The line mm-hmm. out of it where he says the two most damaging words you can tell someone that you're trying to motivate to do better is good job. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, then he goes back into that story about uh, Charlie Parker, uh-huh. the musician who got, you know, if he was like, if, if Joe Jones told him or whatever the name was, yeah, had just told him good job. He would have been like, yeah, I guess I did pretty good. He yeah, wouldn't have had the, you know, he wouldn't have had that motivation that he did to be like, yeah, I'm never letting somebody do that to me again. Right. And uh, even Andrew even asked him, well, you ever think that, you know what you're doing. It's it's a little too much. It's a maybe it it pushes somebody in the other direction and makes them it makes them quit instead of motivating them to be better. And he says the ones who are going to be the greats, they're not going to quit. Yeah, yeah. I forget what the exact line was, but it was yeah. like my favorite thing in the movie. He was like, "No man, like the next Charlie Parker wouldn't get discouraged or exactly. whatever it was. Yeah. It was something like that." Yeah, uh-huh. and he he just I like the sincerity of him being like, "No man," like just like this moment where it feels like he's leveling with him. Like, no, that's, that's not the point. That's how we're weeding these people out. I did look it up. Okay. I looked up a couple things while you're talking. Okay. Schaefer conservatory is not real. Okay, cool. But, uh, Fordham or whatever that Supergirl was going to. Oh, is sure. Fordham. Yeah, that is real. All right. And it was Sean Casey who died and it, w- it was supposed to be the same person. Okay, so the cool. one that Fletcher says died in a car accident is the one who killed himself. And it, that lady was supposed to be a lawyer. Okay. So there was some, yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I thought she was just part of the school, but then watching it this time, I having gone through court stuff and that myself after, you know, years of being around, um, I felt, no, I, th- I f- I'm getting a lawyer vibe off of her. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't sure what she was supposed to be exactly, but what I'm finding yeah. online, some of the like fandom sites, it says she was supposed to be a lawyer. It yeah, probably so, said it in the credits, like, wow. you know, unnamed lawyer. Yeah, whatever. probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that conversation they have when, you know, Fletcher tells him that and he already knew Andrew knew that what he did, you know, got him put out of the school. He's mm-hmm. no longer teaching there. And during the conversation, Fletcher makes him think that, he doesn't realize that it was it was him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it was just somebody out of this guy's class. He just assumed, oh, it was somebody from, you know, that guy's class. 
and they must have made a complaint or whatever. And so I'm not there anymore. And Andrew kind of played it off like, oh, yeah, did you did you quit? Did you mm-hmm. like he didn't know what happened? Pretty slick. And, and Fletcher just kind of went along with that, played it well. And so afterwards, when they leave, he says, hey, uh, there's this, you know, JVC jazz thing going on at whatever auditorium that is there. And, you know, we're going to be doing Whiplash, which name of the movie was one of the songs that they played. Uh, it was kind of a, a big deal throughout the theme of this movie. Yeah, it was the first one where he was really like, you know, have fun. Like, you know, you can do uh-huh. this, whatever. And he's playing well at first. And then he starts doing the whole like flourish with his hand and he does a fist. He's like, no, yeah. no, not not quite my tempo. And that's where he gets the rushing, dragging thing. Oh, my God. It was so good. So he he convinces him. And, and Andrew has stopped playing for a while now. He got rid of a bunch of stuff. He hasn't played. And, you know, a person who's dedicated that much of their life to it, they miss it. You miss that. There's there's no way that you don't. And mm-hmm. so he he's given this opportunity to go and to do this. And so he, he tries to call up his ex-girlfriend and, hey, you want to come see me do this? He's like, oh, well, this, I mean, I, I don't know. I have to talk to my boyfriend. And that's where it's like splash of cold water in his face. Like, oh, she moved on. But it mm-hmm. wasn't a big deal. wasn't a huge thing. And so he goes and he does this. And this is culminating to the end of this movie. And there's, oh, it's so good. Like it, he goes and they're, they're getting ready. This whole band that he has, JK Simmons, uh, Fletcher is getting ready to lead them. And that's what he's, he's conducting. He does that every time. And he's much nicer than normal to start with. He's like, Hey everybody, like, you know, most of you probably, whatever, you're fairly new here, except this guy. Like, let's just go out there and have fun. But he lets them know that if you nail this, there are people out there who you mm. can be you can be in the Lincoln Center. They can make a phone call and that can change your life. On the yeah. reverse of that, if you do terribly, if you if you botch this, same phone call only goes the other direction and you're never playing again. Like he he prefaces that. And so they get him out there and you know he uh Andrew sits down at the drums and he has his music, he has he has the whiplash out there. He's ready to play and then all of a sudden right before they go on, Fletcher goes, "I know it was you." Yeah. And he just, not only does that screw with him, then he goes, all right, double time swing. And it's not the music that he has at all. And it absolutely, he's trying to keep up. Other members of the band are like, hey man, come on. And cause he doesn't have the music to do it. And he hasn't practiced. He, and it's just, it's just, oh, it's so gut wrenching to watch mm-hmm. it go down and to watch him fail in front of this, a whole auditorium full of real people who know what's going on. And like, are going to be able to hear him screwing up. It's not like you or I sitting out there and he just sounds fine because we don't know any different. We don't know the piece that well. And it's just, Oh, it just sounds like the guy's drumming and doing okay. And it was, it was a, a just hard, hard to watch thing. And it ends. And he just, he, he, I think he gets back and Fletcher gets back in his face. He's like, tell him like, get out of there, whatever. I don't even remember if he does that. Yeah, I don't I don't think he does. No, no, he doesn't do that. He uh, Fletcher goes up to the microphone. He's like, oh, sorry about that. We got a little extra avant garde in the percussion section or something like make some joke about it. And everybody laughs. So he gets up and walks out, like takes off his jacket, throws it down, hugs his dad. And then that was it. It was I really ended up liking this scene a lot, as I think you're supposed to in this movie. He does. He hugs his dad and then he it's like he has a moment. It's like an aha moment for him. And he's like, this is it. 
this is where this is a make or break moment for what I want to do for the rest of my life. And he just goes out there and sits down and Fletcher can't even believe he's back. He can't even, he is astounded that he came back and Fletcher turns to the audience and is like, Oh, we're going to slow it down now. And he's going to announce whatever the next number is. And Andrew just starts to play. <laughs> and I realized afterwards that he's playing whiplash. That's what he starts out playing and he's like telling the the bass guy who's right next to him playing the big bit, I'll, I'll cue you in. And Fletcher's losing his mind in the beginning of this. He cannot believe what's going on. Yeah. He's like, but, I'm going to count your ice out or whatever. <laughs> and he just like hits the symbol in symbol front of his right face. His face. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he owned it. He absolutely owned it. And it Fletcher understood after a little while of hearing him that he killed it. Like Andrew's kid, he crushed it in this and they, they played their set and it was great. And they end the song and it was uh, eventually Fletcher gets into it. And he understands that Andrew understands what Fletcher was trying to do the whole time. And Fletcher had explained to him that I'd never had that guy. I've never had the one who I pushed like this and he turned into the Charlie Parker. I've never had that. And so Andrew was determined to show that that's me. I'm going to be that guy for you. All this time and effort and me getting you fired from your job, it will not have gone, it will not be wasted. That time you put in will not be worthless because I'm going to prove to you right here and right now that I am that, that thing you always wanted, that coveted person who you wanted to push till they were better than they knew that they could be. That's me in this moment. And yeah, I there's so much going on in that scene. Oh, there is. There's I mean, because Fletcher says that he doesn't regret anything that he did and that that was why he was there. That was the whole point of being there. Like, it wasn't really to teach. It was to to create that person to to like, yeah, not to find him necessarily, but to like make him to, uh -huh. to find the person who had in them what it took to become that. Yes. So he. He gets that in the end. Like, they both get what they wanted. Yeah, as he's playing the song, mm -hmm. he he eventually starts to get into it, and there's, like, a smile comes over his face because he understands. Well, he comes happening. over. Yeah, he comes over, and he's like, Andrew, man, what are you doing? And oh, he just goes, he says the same thing. He's like, I'll cue you in. Because the song had ended. The song had ended, but Andrew just kept going. Yeah. He just absolutely, oh, it was, it was such a good way to end it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, but, this this movie yeah, hit I, all levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that it's this thing where Fletcher got what he wanted. You know, he realized, like, it, it's like you're saying, like, what you did wasn't for nothing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter that you're not there anymore. Like, clearly you can, you know, you have this reputation. You can do whatever you want. But you did the thing that you set out to do at Schaefer. It just didn't happen entirely at Schaefer. But I also, and the, the part of it that was so meaningful to me with the day that I, with the like last six months that I've had <laughs> was this whole sort of idea that if, if I let this go, like, this is it. Like he has ruined my chances of doing the thing I love. If I let this be the end of it. But if I march back in there and I take charge of it, then this turns out how I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Like if I can pull it off, if I can do this, then it becomes what I want it to be. Yeah. So it's this almost this role reversal. R really, it is a role reversal. It's him. You know, he's calling the shots now. He's like, no, no, this is my turn. Yeah. Which is 
that's the way it should end up becoming. Yeah. Like that's that's how that's supposed to eventually work. So this movie just a roller coaster of emotion and the things that made you feel it was I I really liked everything about this, the way it was done, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So some things that I found out about it that I thought were kind of neat. The whole thing, all this that ride it took you on, this thing was shot in 19 days. That was it. That's all it took to film this movie. And apparently, J.K. Simmons, he has won 47 awards for this role. Wow. Like, doesn't say what they are. I'm sure you could look them up and find out, but that's like that's a lot. And he that's was a lot of awards. He was so good in this. But did he slap anybody before accepting them? Ooh. Oh my. Ah. <laughs> uh. Are, are we are we dating this podcast now? If somebody listens to this in a couple of years, will they be like, oh, yeah, when Reddit was full of Will Smith memes? Right. 2022 20, Oscars. Oh, so good. Uh, we do need to talk about that after this, though. I think we might. Off All right, the podcast so or on? Maybe on. It'd be a little, okay. little extra side piece, our thoughts on it. All right. I mean, everybody else is, so why the hell not? Yeah. Um, this... There was so much of this that I just really enjoyed. I did find out, and I, I assumed that this was the case, but didn't know until I actually looked at it. Miles Teller's been drumming since he was 15, so he did all that drumming. He, Yeah, I was looking at his face, and he makes the dumb face a musician makes when he's really <laughs> concentrating. Every musician I've known who is actually really good, like when they're really, really trying something hard, they get this like really crazy look on their face and he was making it. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't look fake at all. Like none of this. And even if it, it's not like one of those things where it's like, just wail on it and we'll fix it in post. Like, we'll just make it. We'll just lay in different sound or whatever. Like it was none of that. It really genuinely looked like he was doing what he was doing. Yeah. It says here, although a visual double was used, all of Andrew's drumming was performed by Miles Teller himself to pre-recorded tracks about 40% of Teller's drumming was used in the soundtrack. So, wow. I mean, he, he did. And that was the level that you're talking about with what was going on in that. It's so... Most people will never get to a level like that with a skill that they have. Yeah. To, to be that dedicated to something like... We're talking Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant level of dedication to your craft. Yeah. Like that, the, that's your life. That's all you're going to do. But there's so like I, plenty of other trivia. I don't even want to get into it. This was really fun. I'm glad that I finally had us watch it. Sorry that it was, you know, after such a stressful day for you, that was not the best movie to cap off your night. No, it was actually perfect. Like with that motivational thing at the end, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, forget all that stuff that I'm worried about. And I just like made like for me, one of the weird things is like, cause I'm talking about business stuff. Yeah. So like math and like lists and things like that. Like, let me get organized. Let me like genuinely think about what I have to do to make this thing that I'm trying to do work. So I just put in the work. Like I just spent an hour or so like going through all my stuff, like making sure I know exactly what I have to do to make what I want to happen happen in the time frame i have to do this in and like you know get you know not and part of part of business as we were talking about is like your employee like it's not just you it's your employees as well like there are other people depending on you you know at a certain point and it's like that just adds so much extra stress to it 
but I had this like fucking moment. It's like I I can do it. Like I've gotten to this point. I can do this. So that and the fact that when I went, like I went and took a shower after this because I didn't want to do it in the morning. And I was like, all right, what do I want to listen to? Because I usually play some kind of music. Got like a smart speaker in there. So I was like, all right, what do I want to? And I was like, okay, let's. uh, I actually was into jazz. I've been listening to like since last night. I've been listening to like Andre Previn, which is. I would say it's jazz. He did like soundtracks and stuff. So it's a little all over the place, but that like Dave Brubeck, stuff like that. Cause I worked for a jazz station for a while in college, which most of it was garbage, but some of it is really good. And I don't know how to find the good stuff when he was saying, when Fletcher was saying like, you know, no wonder jazz is dying. I was like, no, jazz is dying because you're right. A lot of it is garbage and it's really hard to find the good stuff. Okay. Well, like, if you actually a... do want to find the good stuff, just go to hold Jeremiah. Okay. He'll turn you on to some good stuff. I have, yeah, I have like confidence I, in that. I've got a record collection and a lot of it is really good stuff, but it's one of those things. It's like, if I just ask like, you know, she who shall not be named the smart speaker, like play some jazz, it's going to be like, okay. And it's like music. Like it's what you hear on hold or in an elevator. Right. <clears throat> I told yeah, one I of my like that if I if I try and do that, but I say turn on some classical music because I like, but I like good classical music, some of the the main heavy hitters, and that's not what they'll turn on. I told one of my newer employees about the idea we discussed of having uh, we shop channel music play in the restrooms. <laughs> I think it would be. I think it would go over better than most like jazz that you hear on the radio nowadays. Oh, people would they would love it. They'd go in there and be like, is this? Is this? Oh, suck. You have to do that. It's so good. Holligan's right in. Petition. Make him do it. <laughs> do it. <sighs> Moviehollowgmail.com. Write in and tell him. So do we want to? Okay. So definitely a watch. We both already said that. Totally a watch for me. I, I do think it's like um, almost like Warrior a little bit in terms of it being like sort of an experience that isn't completely pleasant the whole way through, but it's like one of the more meaningful movies I've watched and it's not super clear cut as to whether it's like that. There's not like a clear moral, like you should do this. It's like, he still lost the girl, you know, he still sacrificed a lot. Like he got where he wanted to go, but there was a cost. Yeah. And they're usually for stuff like that. There's going to be, Mm -hmm. but yeah, this is hundred percent a watch. Fantastic. Holligan's, Thank you once again for listening to Ryan and I. We do hope you go out and check out. If you have not watched Whiplash, go watch it. It's on Hulu right now. If you have Hulu, you can just go watch it. Otherwise, it is, this is a movie that uh, it's it is an uncomfortable watch for the most mm-hmm. part. It's not something that's necessarily easy to get through, but it's just it's one of those that it's hard to watch yet you can't turn away. Yeah. It ah oh, oh so All good right. so, so glad we got to watch it. Yeah, speed round. Will Smith got up in the middle of a monologue that Chris Rock was doing and slapped him in the face. I am on the side of if anybody. Okay, I don't know, because they're all celebrities. It's another thing to support the idea that if you're rich and you do something, it's okay. If it was me or you that just like walked up to somebody on the street, somebody could call the cops and we would get arrested. Yeah, the cops actually asked Chris Rock. Do you want to press charges? He said yeah. he chose to say no. Yeah. Like this. Uh, so I mean, and Will Smith was laughing at the joke. He he referred to his <sighs> wife like he made a G.I. Jane joke because Jada has 
a shaved head. Yeah. Which number one, my first my first thought on that is the fact I've seen her with that haircut before. Mm-hmm. Like she this is not the first time she has sported that. And we're talking years ago at this point. So that's not really anything new. I didn't know about whatever condition, the whole alopecia thing. I didn't know alopecia, about Alopecia, there's this one, there's an actor in particular who has that. He Alopecia is usually, it's an autoimmune disorder where you have no hair anywhere. But I guess there are degrees of it. I, I guess. It like I messes know. with her hair or her ability for her hair to grow out or something like that. But it's, I wouldn't have known that she had that. Yeah, right. I and would have assumed that was a choice to just cut your hair short. Like, maybe. Chris Rock didn't know it, but yeah, out of out of the things a comedian could razz you about, that's pretty mild. Yeah, your haircut. And I, I'm sorry. There's such a such a bit of drama already with Will and Jada, and the whole thing that came out a while back yeah. about the uh, entanglement, mm-hmm. quote unquote, with her. And I'm sorry, they're called affairs. Because she wanted to go bang other guys. Yeah. And for him, and to be in her defense, he chose to stay with her. He didn't have to. Mm-hmm. He could be like, you know what? You can go do what you were going to do, but we're done. I'm not I'm not putting up with that at all. Which, I mean, it's kind of what I think he should have done. But if you feel like allowing, and maybe he's done his own thing too. He's Will Smith. I'm sure he can go get millions of different women. Like he's Will Smith. Mm-hmm. But if that's how you want to have your relationship, that's fine. But based on everything that we've watched up to this point and everything that's been put out that put out there by them, he is not in charge of anything that's going on there. And the Oscars a thousand percent showed that. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock makes the joke. He's laughing because it's a it's funny. I mean, we're talking a movie from the early nineties. Ninety seven late nineties. Something like, like that, mid to late nineties, something. Like is how how old of a reference? Like, give me a break. And yet that's the thing, and she has this look, and then he gets up and does that. Yeah. He should have been ejected. Yes. Yeah. I mean well, and one of the things that I saw, like I I I don't even know how I saw I think I looked at Twitter. I never opened Twitter, but I looked at Twitter and I was like, What? And it was like seconds ago. So I had to figure out how to watch the Oscars. It's like I don't even know what service to use. So I eventually found it. And by that time, Will Smith was accepting an award. Yep. And like on stage, bawling like a baby talking about how he was like, nobody cries like God. Yeah. Being called by God to be like a vessel of love or whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, did he not? But I like found all the videos and within like four minutes, Ryan Kennel from RK outpost on YouTube. Like that was the first channel I found that had like, not just a clip of it. Like, Oh, here's the version from Japan or whatever country where they didn't cut the audio and you can hear Will Smith cussing at him. Yeah. Like he was the first one to be like, can you believe that this just happened? Like he actually put out a real video. Well, like within minutes, okay. I have no idea how he did it that fast, but Probably because he was actually watching the Oscars. Yeah. But they were talking about it on like CNN or something the next day. And they were like, you know, what should have happened? And they were asking, you know, all these different people. And the one guy was like, they should have thrown him out. Yeah. And awarded his Oscar to the runner up because now the punishment has to be worse. They condoned violence on live TV in front of the entire world and didn't do anything about it. And then they rewarded him. So now the punishment, like the punishment, then kick him out. It's done. 
Now it's, you know, didn't kick him out, let him talk for as long as he wanted, gave him his award. Now the punishment has to be so much greater. He's like, they should have just done that and been finished with it. Yep. And I just, I mean, it was already hard enough. Like I lost a good deal of respect for Will Smith after the whole him and Jada thing came out Uh and you want to have an open marriage and her entanglement stuff. Like if you're gonna allow that as as the man, you're gonna allow that to happen. Not okay. It's just not okay. Yeah. And so I'm I'm not okay with it. Therefore, me watching the celebrity who you know I always liked. It's just uh, well, well, and everybody's saying it's not really about Chris Rock. It's this misplaced probably aggression because of all the stuff with his marriage. Yeah, but yeah, it's so weird. Like even Chris Rock, like he's looking at him and he's almost like leaning in. Cause I think he thinks like a little, like a little back and forth is going to happen. Like, Hey man, like, why would you like, he thinks he's get. I guess he thinks he's getting close enough to be hurt or like the lapel mic. Oh, maybe that that's what it looked like to me. It looked like, Oh, he's coming up here. Cause he's got this big smile on his face. He's like, what's going on. And Will Smith just like, he doesn't even go up there. Like he's angry. Like he, that's the other thing too. It's like very cowardly the way he did it. Like hit it right until the end. And to Chris Rock's like credit, he just yeah. popped right back up. He was like, "Did that just happen?" <laughs> right? He did. I thought I thought he recovered from that very well. He went. Good. He was like almost like a robot. He's like he's like one of those uh, Boston Dynamics robots that they kick <laughs> and it goes right back to standing the way it was before. Right, one of those ones who's going to eventually take over the world and kill it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally like one of those. But yeah, it's uh, even like mid slap. Chris Rock isn't real. (laughs) (sighs) But yeah, Yeah. I I don't know. I get what you mean. Like losing respect for Will Smith because he seems to be losing respect for himself. Yeah. And this losing control of his own household. But this didn't send me any in the other direction. I didn't I didn't move that way. I went I went farther off of off of his court. Now I'm not I'm not. I like him less now because of that. And I, I understand. I don't think there's necessarily an inherent problem with if somebody is being insulting towards your wife, smacking them in the mouth. I mm-hmm. think we've gotten away from that sort of thing in this day and age. Um, I, I think for the most part, you should be able to solve that without doing that, without resorting straight up resorting to violence. Yeah. But some people, and we're talking about bullies, Somebody mm-hmm. who would continue to do that to your wife, even though we say, hey, what you try and maybe remove yourself from the situation and you just can't or they just won't listen. Some people need to get popped in the mouth. I'm, I am 100% on board with that. Standing up for your family, things like that. That, you're you're celebrity. And he's a celebrity comedian. And so yeah. you're sitting in the, roast. in the front. Yeah, You're going to get roasted sometimes. Really? That's the one you take personally? absolutely unacceptable yeah well and the thing i i don't even remember who i was watching it was one of these youtubers it was you know one of the ones that we've talked about that we like that review like pop culture stuff but they sometimes get a little bit overly political okay i think it was as heel versus Babyface. he's always on like friday night tights and stuff I uh, haven't been watching lately, but he he had something about this that just like auto played when I was looking up stuff about it the next day. But he okay. his whole thing was basically like, this is really scary because 
allowing somebody to get away with this on like worldwide live TV is basically saying like, Hey, it's okay to assault a comedian in the middle of their performance because you don't like what they said. Yep. And it opens the door potentially to things like that happening, being like, it's, I mean, they don't do anything to you. Look, you could just run up there and do it all you want. And like, what is the next Oscars going to be like? Cause they didn't do anything like that. That was maybe the most shocking thing to me is that he got up and he did it and he just got away with it. Yeah. He just goes back to his seat and that. Okay. So there was also the other side of this. that says, was it staged? That's the only kind of thing that makes me think it was staged because do you know who knew about this? You know, who watched it happen live on TV? Nobody. Yeah. Because nobody's yeah. watching the Oscars. A ratings thing. Yeah. It's it, nobody. Like, I remember when I was younger being excited before there was the internet, before you knew every movie that was coming out and every movie that has come out, before I being excited for the Oscars back to when the mystery or the, there was something about actors and actresses. Yeah. There's something about that that was almost otherworldly. Yeah, because we didn't hear we didn't hear their stupid thoughts on Twitter all the time. Right. It wasn't like a daily inundation of everything, you know, celebrity. And now you can be a celebrity for not doing anything. You can be a celebrity for selling talent. Farts in a jar. Yeah. Or what like sitting in a hot tub on Twitch or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can just people who are quote unquote celebrities. Or influencers. The only thing that makes me think that it was kind of staged was that. The fact that they just let him get away with it. Because now everybody's talking about the Oscars. No, everybody's talking about Will Smith. I mean, mean, okay, so Az had a thing in his (laughs) video that it viewership almost doubled. I don't know if that's actually real. But like viewership went from like 9 million to like 17 million or something after the slap. But they were also talking about how much that overshadowed everything else. Like, apparently, uh, Samuel Jackson won his first Oscar, and it was completely overshadowed. Like, it would have been big news if this hadn't happened. Uh, maybe. But, yeah, it's been, like, a decade since I've cared about the Oscars. Right. It's Because I, I used to be interested to see what they would talk about, but now it's like, I don't care. They're going to lecture me. Like, the only little bit of it I saw... Was Will Smith crying, talking nonsense, and yep. then um, what's her name? The Amy Schumer saying like, "Okay, let's talk about this." She's like, "Oh, and by the way, trans people, gay people are losing their rights," and like just, and then she would continue on, and then she'd like shout some other group for whatever reason. Really? Yeah. And it's like, all right, I don't care about you anymore. Like I, it's just like why? It's fine to have causes. It's fine to want things to be better socially, whatever. But when people are trying to be entertained and escape from the monotony of their daily lives, like that's not the time to like shove that message in, to shoehorn that message into like everything you do. It's like, just do the award ceremony or be a comedian. That's what you're supposed to do. Like if that's really what they do, like if it's all just like political and social activism like that, I get why people don't watch it anymore. Cause it's not about the movies anymore. It's not about entertainment. It's about that. So the people who watch it are the people who want politics and social activism. So it's like, it's not, it's just a different show for a different demographic. Now. I, I feel like today's Hollywood actors, they've forgotten the fact that 
I mean, yeah, some of them are really good, and they have put out some content that has really touched people in, and or, or really meant something to people over the course of Hollywood's vast history. But when you break it all down, they're dancing monkeys. Mm-hmm. They're elephants uh, balancing, balancing on a ball. Yeah. Like they're, they're a lion jumping through a hoop. They're there for people who go to work every day and work and are have monotonous lives to watch and be entertained by. That's it. End of story. That's why they're there. And I, I think they, they really have gotten to the point where they think they're more, much more than that. And they're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that anything all the rest of us do is super important to everything in the world, but sometimes the things that we do on a day-to-day basis are super important to the people who we interact with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, we can make I've... the lives of the people who we interact with better every day. And yeah, we're not famous for it, but we do that. And hopefully most of us can be fairly humble about it. And actors and actresses aren't that anymore. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had my mind changed by a celebrity about anything. <laughs> I'm trying to th- I'm genuinely trying to think of a time that like they came out with some kind of message like you should be doing this. And I was like, oh, you know what? I should because this famous person who I liked watching pretend to be a superhero said to do it or, or whatever it was. Yeah. And that maybe I'm overly trivializing it, but it's like most of the time. Yeah. I mean, they're just people. They have views. Maybe they're the same as mine. Maybe they're not. But I don't find their argument any more compelling than anybody else's because they pretend, you know, they pretend good in movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're little bitty things like that in and of itself. Just because you're somebody who I like watching entertain me, you just saying that thing isn't going to change my mind. Now, if I hear you sit down on like a big podcast and you sit down with Joe Rogan, or uh, Russell Brand has a big podcast. Yeah. And you you hear like a long form discussion and they actually speak intelligently about something that maybe was an idea that I could have had some misconceptions about. And I hear you actually discuss it in a way that I'm like, okay, I can understand the points that you're making. Then there's at least a chance you could you can sway my mind in something because I'm not I'm not steadfast in everything. I can listen uh-huh. to somebody and based on an argument say, oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And I never thought about it that way. And then maybe you can you can change my perception of something. But just you're right. A tweet. And that's going to that's not going to make me change core values that I have because you you disagree. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, you're talking like kind of longer stuff. I've seen some interviews and debates with like uh, Stephen Fry. Uh-huh. about political correctness or, or like just in general, the way we're allowed to talk and think and, you know, without fear of repercussions and saying that it's a really important thing to be able to, God, I forget exactly what he said. He was basically talking about like the college state of mind that you get at a university, which is like being able to gracefully play with ideas and communicate back and forth and debate on things. And that if you, take things too seriously and you try to limit speech that it limits our creativity. Like it limits where we can go from here. It limits how like it's hard to solve problems when you can't talk about them, stuff like that. Yes. And it's like, that's really good. 
that didn't change my mind because I already thought that. <laughs> so him, I'm not counting, but it's like, yeah. I've never seen a tweet and it's like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. thinks that I should buy a Tesla. So I'm going to go do or whatever. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, it's sure. not. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't even want to talk about the slap anymore. I'm no, good. We got we barely we talked about the out slap. there. We just talked about the fact that celebrities are, you know, just another form of life. Yep, they certainly are. And uh, yeah, and the celebrities I like are the ones that I've met or interacted with in some way. Like, and I'm I'm not okay. Let's let's use a Guardians reference, like Little C, Little C celebrities. Little C, <laughs> yeah, not interacting with like, uh, you know, anybody huge, but like you, your pals with Hawk and Rev. <clears throat> yeah, we've had some emails back and forth with the Hawk and Rev guys. Them I like. You know, I would be interested to talk to them and just know what their experience is like. And maybe they have opinions on things that I'd be interested in. But that would that, you know, it's not just the weight of celebrity making that opinion valid. It's the fact that we've had some interaction before or like podcasters that I've listened to for a long time. And I've learned to value their opinion and the way they think about things like that kind of stuff. But again, you know, we're talking about something totally different that when you're just somebody who's an actor, you're like, hey, because you like watching me in movies, you should do the thing I'm telling you to do. Yeah. You should believe that I'm right. Like, that's what I don't buy into. So, hashtag believe no celebrities? Hashtag no? trust but verify. I trust but verify. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Holligans, I think that's about it for us. Uh, this yep. was a fun one. Enjoyed Whiplash. Enjoyed talking about the slap heard around the world. Yep. If you want to try to convince us of something because you're a celebrity, you can reach us at moviehowl at gmail.com or on Twitter at moviehowl. Yep. This has been uh, this has been good. It's always fun to talk. Again, thank you as always. We do appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know one way or another. Until then, I have been Joe. I've been Ryan. And we are out.